0: Hey guys, thanks for tuning in to C3 Kurumban's podcast. We want you to know that you are loved by a God who is love. So good to have you with us. Why don't you enjoy this week's sermon? How are you guys doing? Good, good to see you yet again. Doris and Keniana, it is so good to have you home. after uh, four months away. Oh, sorry. Feel like Zoom? Does it feel the same? No? Yeah. Ever better. Well, that's a, a message of. That... Faith and hope to our Zoom friends who couldn't be here today. One day we will be back in the building, so we love you and can't wait to have you here one more time, church. we welcome our Zoom family? We love you guys. So good. Incredible. Well, welcome. If you haven't been here before and we haven't met, my name is Dan, my wife Hannah and I get to pass this incredible church and some of the best people ever are in this room. Today we have a family lunch. Because we uh, used to be able to run CAFE every week and since COVID with restrictions, requirements, but also with team. We've just got less volunteers at the moment, which we understand. It's been a, a really tough year for a lot of people. So CAFE is one of the things that we are not launching back weekly just yet. But uh, we did a new members lunch a couple of weeks ago and it was just so good to sit and eat together. And Hannah and I like, we also don't almost don't want to get up and talk about the church or the history and things like that. We just want to hang out, right? And so we're like, let's do that then. I think it's once a month. We're going to do one more at the start of December, but just a family lunch. Because something that's really important to me is not just uh, being an individual that fills a seat and comes along once a week. As much as we're so grateful to have you here, we want to do life together. Amen. And if we're going to do life together, we need to know each other, we need to get to know each other better. And here's the thing that uh, it, it's it's easier and it's more comforting and more controlling sometimes to just be in our own little bubble and do life like this. And it's actually awkward and uncomfortable to open yourself up to other people and to be there for them and to ask how they are going when you're tired and you've had a tough week. That's, that's exhausting. But that is what life is all about. Amen. You and I were created for community. We were created for relationship. Speak on this more next year, much more. But we were created by a triune God. C.S. Lewis calls it the dance. God is a relational God. He's not an autonomous God. It's it's the Trinity. Thank you, Lord. And when he created God, uh, sorry, heavens and the earth, he said it was good, it was good, it was good. The first thing God said is not good. It's for man to be alone. So as uncomfortable as it is sometimes, and as awkward as it is, and as much as you want someone to ask you, I'm just going to ask me how I was going, I've had a really tough week as well, someone just pray for me, sometimes we just need to go out and ask someone else how their week was, amen? Yeah. And that's what the family lunch is, I'm so excited to just sit together and eat, and get to know people better, and hopefully form some friendships and relationships, and truly do life together. And so we've we've changed it up, um, I want to try see how we go as long as the board allows it. We're gonna do it by donations and uh, because there's some people here that finances are really tough right now. If you can't afford lunch, please sit down and eat with us for free. We want that to happen. And then if you're here and you can afford an amount, just give whatever you think today is worthy. Or maybe you wanna pay for someone else. We're not setting a figure on it, but whatever you choose to give uh, is acceptable. Today we just wanna eat together and hang out. But I can't stress this enough. If you're in a financially tough spot, just eat. Don't worry about it. Just be with us right now. Amen. It's good. God's good. Yeah. Life's good. Yeah. Getting to the end of 2021. Can you believe it? Yes. The year that no one saw coming. The year that... Can, can we just remind ourselves... Re- rewind 12 months when I said I love you guys, but I just want you to let you, let you know that the virus and government restrictions don't... Stick to a Gregorian calendar and stop on January first, 2021. Unfortunately, they're probably going to continue with us, and here they are. All year was probably tougher than last year, and we didn't have job keeper and job seeker, and there was a bit more animosity and division this year. And but here we are. Here you are. Well done. You're here. You're in church. You're here. You're here. I think that God. In his love and sovereignty is creating a resilience to his people. If your entire Christian journey is really easy, then you will be easily knocked around by challenges. But it's not until challenges and trials start coming your way and you face them and endure them. Romans chapter 5, it's a bit of a jerk of a verse, but it says rejoice in your trials because they produce endurance in you. And I I don't want to rejoice in my trials. I want to rejoice in winning the lottery. I want to rejoice in never being sick. I want to rejoice in my kids being obedient and, and not asking that one question. Why, Dad? Why? That but why? That just I would rejoice in those kinds of things, but unfortunately they don't create resilience. And I think God's creating resilience in his church now which excites me. It excites me. Christians have been pushed back against attendance has been tougher. Being in the building's been tougher. Worshipping's been tougher. And when the when Christians have pushed back against it, growth has come. Yeah. A deepening's happening. Yeah. We just had 24 hours of prayer and fasting this week, Wednesday morning till Thursday morning. And people were here, yeah. praying and fasting and worshipping. And it's so good to see people breaking out of any kind of Sunday-centric Christianity. Yeah. You're a Christian? Yeah. Why are you a Christian? I go to church on Sunday. Unanswered I mean, questions that. It's not why you're a Christian. You're a Christian because you love Jesus. You're a Christian because he believes he's the one, you believe he's the one true God who created you. And sin destroyed that relationship. So God did the unthinkable and died on a cross for you and I to bring you home to himself to reconcile us. That is what makes you a Christian. And he never promised you a life free of trials. What he promised you is a life filled with his presence. That is creating resilience. And it excites me to see the church right now and to see our New South Wales members push in for, not only pushing into weeks on Zoom, but a bunch of these guys tuning in right now who discovered a bunch of broken, hurting people down at the Mullabar showgrounds. So they didn't sit there in their own little sorrows and in their own pain, but they decided to be selfless. And they went and bought gazebos and barbecue and food. And they were down there praying for people and encouraging people. And letting people cry on their shoulder two weeks ago. It's happening again this week. And that excites me. That excites That's the church in action, right? That's a beautiful thing. So I'm going to get to the preach soon. But let's be the church. Let's actually be convinced That God is real. Heaven is real. He saved us and sent us on mission. There is a task to do this side of eternity. Jesus said why in his daytime there is work to be done. And James said, see that your life is nothing more than a puff of smoke. He one day and gone the next. Let's see that there are things to be done. Amen? Amen. So much brokenness. and We can be the hands and the feet. Alright, well today I'm going to preach on our preaching series right now is And I Pray. And been going through paul's prayers out of the new testament they've been powerful have, have you been enjoying them and what god has been doing in your heart hearing about them and reading them and i'm praying that you're just getting more revelation of his word and who he is that's that's the goal and we're going to talk on that yet again today and the thing i keep bringing up to you is that paul is an amazing theologian paul is a brilliant theologian it's quite a systematic mind it's, it's outstanding how he breaks down topics and You can even read, especially in Romans, he'll start to go, but you say, and he's predicting what the listeners are going to be asking him when he visits, so he writes that question in and then he answers the question. The guy is an incredible mind, and what we see here in these points is that he prays them over the church, he doesn't just teach them. And so what I wanted to look at is why is he not just teaching on these points, why is he praying them over the people he's overseeing? And the answer that we keep coming to is that it's a work of God. Whatever is mentioned in these prayers is a work of God, not a work of effort. And so he's praying. He's like, I'm praying God does these things in your world. And I pray too. I'm praying and praying and praying for you, church, that God will do a work in your heart and you would get more revelation. And that's what we're going to talk about today. If you got your Bible, please head on to Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1. Picking up in verse 15 today. Ever since I first heard of your strong faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for God's people everywhere, I have not stopped thanking God for you. Ever since I heard of your strong faith and your love, they're two pretty great hallmark marks of a Christian. I pray for you constantly, asking God, the glorious Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, to give you spiritual wisdom and insight so that you might grow in your knowledge of God. I want to break that prayer down again, just so you catch what's actually been prayed here, what, what Paul is wanting to see in these Christians in Ephesus. I'm praying that God, because you can't do this yourself, I'm praying that God gives you A spiritual wisdom. Remember 1 Corinthians uh, chapters 1 and 2 says that the wisdom of this world is full. The message of the cross is foolishness to those who are wise in this world. So it's not an earthly wisdom. It's a spiritual wisdom. It's a kingdom wisdom and insight so that you, Christian and me, can grow in our knowledge of God. What a beautiful prayer. I love that prayer. That's been one of my favorite prayers for many, many years. I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light so you can understand the confident hope He has given to those He called. His holy people who are His rich and glorious inheritance. Let's pray. Lord, we love you so much. Good, faithful, incredible, kind. God, we love you and we thank you for loving us. Lord, we thank you that today you would do that work as well. I am completely aware that I have no power to give anyone a revelation. Lord, I pray as I teach your word as faithfully as I can, that you would bring a spirit of wisdom, revelation to people's hearts. that today we're not just attempting to grow in information about how well we know the Bible. We're trying to grow in our knowledge of the author. We're trying to know you more, God trying to see how known we are in you. God, I pray you help us have these spiritual eyes to see who you are and what you're doing in us, Lord. Thank you you would flood our hearts with light and fill us with confident hope that you're in control, you're with us, you're never going to leave us nor forsake us, and everything will work together for good for those who love God and are called according to his purpose. Help us hold on to that truth in Jesus' name. Amen. What a prayer, right? It's one of those ones, I could probably just read it slowly for the next 40 minutes, I'm not even preaching, you'd be like, wow, just again and again and again. As I said, I've got to be honest, this is um, this is the most common prayer, I pray over you, C3 Corona. Ephesians 1, 17, and the ESV and New King James will say, having the eyes of your heart enlightened, so you can receive a spirit of wisdom and revelation in who the son is what a picture i remember when i was doing my degree um, uh, ken Chen he wrote this, this beautiful book and the, the subject was building the church god wants and he wrote this line about this verse that just smacked me because i i, I i've grown up uh, not just at, not in our church in our movement and our era that's known now as the church growth era okay And I'm not talking against it, but what I'm saying is a lot of conferences were aimed at and and styled towards how to grow in numbers. And I love what Ken Chan said in this passage. He says, catch this, Paul never once prays for church growth. (laughs) And I was like, what? And Ken Chan said, Paul only prays that when people hear the gospel, they would understand what they're hearing. How powerful is that? He's never praying. I've, I've never found it anyway. So if you do find it, please email me and let me know that scripture reference. I've never found a spot where Paul's like, at Ephesus, I'm praying. Right now you're at 10,000. It's pretty good.
1: I pray you go to 15.
0: Bigger. Large no, he never prays that way. He's like, oh, do you know what i pray? When people read their Bible, they understand it. Yeah, yeah. How powerful is that? Yeah. This is the difference in a Pharisee and a disciple of Jesus, a Christian, and I want us to keep coming back to our true north. Our true north is not to grow in information about Jesus Christ. Our true north is to grow in revelation and understanding of who He is. Paul at the start of Philippians three, he's boasting about his past. Remember, he's like, "If anyone has reason to boast, I yet more of the tribe of Benjamin." Concerning zeal, I persecuted the church. Concerning the law, I was a Pharisee. However, what was gained to me, this I now count as loss or rubbish compared to the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord and Savior. Verse 10, two verses later, he says, I want to know him and the power of his resurrection. And what's the goal? so I can join with him in his suffering.
1: (laughs) We don't like to talk about suffering
0: in charismatic churches, so I won't go about (laughs) Paul, that's a joke, by the way, we we did a five-week preaching series at the start of this year. (laughs) Quite brutal. Um, Paul is saying tough times are coming. I'm not even preaching on Philippians 3.10, but anyway, just quickly, Philippians 3.10, Paul is saying Tough times are coming. Suffering is coming. So what am I praying for? What do I want? I want to know Jesus more and I want to understand the power of His resurrection more. Why? Because they're the only two things that are going to get me through tough times. So what am I praying over you? That you would know Jesus more. Seriously, day in, day out. When I'm in here praying, like, I'm fortunate enough I paid to work for the church. I love my job. It's an honor to get to do it. When I'm praying for you, this is the most common prayer. God, help them to understand when they read their Bible this week. Give them eyes to see. Give them spiritual the eyes and their heart would be enlightened. Because we don't live by bread alone, remember? But every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Preached that a bunch of times this year. That word, word there is rhema. It's not information, it's a heart where revelation. So Matthew 4.4 4 is, man doesn't live off bread alone, but by every revelation that comes from the word of God. This is what I want us to grow in. Now I'm going to, I, I preach a lot. I, I preach a lot. One of my predominant passions in the gospel is helping us not just rejoice in our salvation, but continue to grow in our salvation. It's one of my biggest passions. Okay, So today I do want to touch on the three aspects of salvation. Very quickly, the first and last, but it is... Justification, you have been saved, if you're here today and you call yourself a Christian and you believe that Jesus died on the cross for you and you needed him to die on the cross, you can get to heaven in your own strength or righteousness. If you believe that in your heart, what we believe is you've been justified, made alive, born again. It's a a courtroom setting, it means declared innocent in a moment. Then there's sanctification. Now we don't believe that happens in a moment. I don't believe that. I believe that is a lifetime while you're here. You are becoming more and more like God. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. And the God who is spirit is making you more and more like his son, Jesus Christ. Um, Romans 8 29. That he was the firstborn among all creation, that we might become like him, that we could walk and, and become heirs with him. Like the, the beauty of the gospel. Verse 30. And everyone he calls, he justifies, everybody he justifies, he glorifies. Come on. This is. Needed. It's so needed that you would grow in your salvation. It is so needed for this world, for our friends and family, for us to live on mission and be maturing and growing. Okay? So let's look at these three things really quickly. First thing I want to talk about is let's always be grateful, pray with gratefulness for past salvation. I think it's a very crucial thing. Paul says, ever since I first heard of your strong faith in the Lord and your love for God's people everywhere, I have not stopped thanking God for you. So he is constantly just thank you, God, for saving them. Thank you, God, for saving them. Thank you, God, for saving them. Church, I think we need to always be remembering who in our family and friendship circle God has already done a work of grace in their heart. Psalm 100, verse 4 and 5. I love it. You will know it. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and enter his courts with praise. Be thankful to him. Bless his name for the Lord is good. So let's stop for a minute. Who could you be thankful to God for saving in your world? Thank you. I going to take a moment. Close your eyes in for 30 seconds. And just in your heart, just thank God. Someone you know and love, who you know is in a healthy relationship with Jesus, just thank them. Don't think of who is not yet. Who is? Thank you, God. God, we thank you for making them born again. We thank you for giving them faith, for giving them enlightening the eyes of our spiritual eyes, was were enabled to see. You. We thank you and praise you for that, God. You're a good God. Amen. Whenever we do a prayer meeting in here, it's very important to me we start at the first five minutes. Let's thank God for what He's done the last month. Because it's so easy for you and I to become such consumeristic Christians that all we have is a shopping list prayer. Life. You know what I mean by that? We only pray, God, where are you? My finances alone. God, where are you? My sick my loved one is getting sick. God, where are you? I haven't seen breakthrough here yet. God, where are you? God, move, God, do something. And I love that you're praying. Please hear me now. I love that you are praying in that moment. But let's not limit our prayer life to only requests. Imagine just a spirit of gratitude filled us. God, thank you so much. I'm alive. I live on the Gold Coast. I get to pass this amazing church. I literally, I, I frequently praise God. I, I don't it's lightning, but frequently thank God for saving my life. I think about that I I was 14 when I felt God calling me to pastor. And I felt it was this church back then. I, knew, I never knew it. I don't believe it was locked in but I just felt it was. And I had this girl come along and I fell madly in love with her who loves Jesus. Do you know what? Dad, when I was about 7 Dad said, son, stop praying for your wife now. And every night I prayed this prayer. I was 7. So every night. God, give me a girl who loves you more than me. And now I've got this girl who loves this church so much, who loves our kids so much. We serve together, we love our lives together. I'm so grateful to God for bringing her along. I get to work full time with my brother, who is a pastor here as well, and his wife. If you don't know John's story, he's a butthole. No, just kidding. <laughs> it's the joy of me having the mic. Every time I see him preach, like, that, nah, I'm like, wow. John had uh, many, 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 many years, almost 20 years in addiction, heavy addiction, drug and alcohol addiction. And many years we didn't really know each other too well. And I remember uh, when I was, 14 and 15, uh, my nightly job was walking out dog. I, said, I hate walking, I hate... It. We're not going to Anyway, I won't go into that. <laughs> cleaning up poo and walking the stupid thing. You don't do anything for us, you just lying. <laughs> I do <don't know. laughs> <I don't know. laughs> <laughs> All right, so... <laughs> <laughs> Han's always like, you want to stop joking about the kids? I'm like, who's joking? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I remember praying for John. At night time, I was praying and praying and praying. And like, Lord, save him, do something. And I remember my dad did a 21-day fast. And it, like he could see him deteriorating, like becoming nothing. And literally, we saw something break in John's world. And it was the first time he came back and just fell in love with Jesus. And he would slip back into addiction stuff, but he always had that moment as an anchor. And then, what is it now, about four weeks away? Yeah, you know I'm going to praise you. In four weeks' time... John has been clean for 10 years. Yeah. Has not touched alcohol, gone back into that old way of living. And some people every now and again come to me and they're like, Oh man, I'm so impressed by you, you never left church. I'm like, I'm not impressed by me. I'm impressed by people who went out and had to fight really hard to get back in. Yeah. I'm impressed by people who had to overcome some demons and challenges. And so he's my absolute hero and I get to work with him. He's my best friend, my brother. And I literally get to work with him. Freaking thank God for who's saved in your world. Here's the thing. Do you want faith to believe for loved ones in your world now will be saved? Start by thanking God for who has been saved. There are people in our family we pray for regularly. We're wanting breakthrough that we haven't seen yet. I'm not losing hope because I look back. I'm like, are you kidding me? Look at our family. Look at what God's done already. He's not not finished. He's not retired. He's not giving up. You want faith to believe God will save Start praising who is in your world. Give him glory. Recognise biblically that you didn't save them and they didn't save themselves. It was all the work of God gives you confidence in some time in the future that my God whose will is that none shall perish but all shall come to a saving encounter of faith will work in them. It starts by praising God for who has been saved. Second thing we're praising God, with praying with gratefulness to who has been saved. Second thing we're praying with eagerness for our current sanctification. Church I beg you pray ask God to help you grow and mature as a Christian. That would be one of the most powerful prayers you could pray. Don't have this I've arrived there mentality. The old leadership axiom: you never graduate from servant or student. You have not arrived there. There's no such thing as there. We are always growing and growing in our knowledge of who Jesus is, our knowledge of who we are now in him. Wow, there's a lifetime in that. Stop seeing yourself as broken loser. You're, you're saved. You're beloved. Yeah. You're set free. Now, I preached several times this year. We went through Colossians on this point. There is still a desire in you that is lured and enticed away by sin. You have the ability to sin, sin is still there. But you are no longer under the dominion and the authority of sin. Thank God for Romans chapter 6. So, see the difference now. You have the Holy Spirit living in you, you're a different person. You need to hold on to that and pray, well God, keep growing me. Keep growing me, keep doing the work in me, keep keep going. Alright. Any other four-eyed brothers and sisters out there? Come on now. How annoying is it when you can't find your glasses? And he's sitting there and you're like, I need my glasses to find my glasses. I can't see where they are because I can't see. I need them to help me find them that's so fluid frustrating any other coffee addicts in any, any coffee yep don't talk to you for a coffee like see, it's, it's a bad me but you have a walk out and you're like how the flipper neck does this grinder even work now okay kids waking up at five this morning able to running in and hitting me and i'm like oh boy i will get you one day but you go going to make a coffee right you push the grinder and We've got to bless with a mocker It's like a filter machine. You've got to grind it. You've got to fill the thing up with the right level of water. You've got to get the paper filter out. I'm sitting there. I'm like, so hard. I need a coffee to even figure out how to make a coffee. I need a coffee to make a coffee. It's so annoying. Or well, you go to Bunnings and you buy scissors that are in the, the sealed plastic. you're sitting there and you're like, friggin' kidding me right now. Right? I didn't give like a little complimentary little pair of scissors to open my pair of scissors right now. Like, those things frustrate me. It is the exact same with your relationship with God. You have a task to do, there is work for you to do. You, you His workmanship created Christ Jesus for good works, which He prepared beforehand. But make no mistake about it, you need God to help you live for God. I promise you. You are already lost without him. Jesus promises you. He says, you better abide in me. If you abide in me, I'll produce fruit through you. But apart from me, you can do nothing. He didn't beat around the bush. He didn't say you'd be less effective. He didn't say marriage would be tougher. He didn't say evangelism would be a lot more work. He said, without me, you can do nothing. You might as well just quit now. If you walk away from me, if you start praying for me to have an active role in your sanctification, it's not going to happen. So I beg you, church, time will keep going. I beg you, pray, God, God, help me to get more revelation. Help me to get more revelation. When I read your word, when I listen to your word, help me to get more revelation. Help me to know you more. What a prayer. Help me to know you more. Thank you, Lord, for helping us all to know you more. God, I pray as we read this week, as we pray for each other. Help us to know him more. Do the work in us that we can't do it ourselves, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Jesus. We need God. We need him so bad. The good news is this: here's, here's where I find root, a lot of comfort. If God saved you in spite of you, He didn't save you because you stopped doing big sins and you worked your way back to church, and after a couple of weeks and you start serving on a roster, and now it's like, okay, now you're worthy of me saving. I refuse to believe that. That's just not my soteriology, salvation doctrine. I don't believe in that. I believe God is just so big and so good and so wonderful that when you were the last sheep so far away from him, he found you and brought you home. Yeah. Yeah. He, he, did. Oh, he turned the right way. He started doing the right thing. Now I'll save it. No, you were gone. And he saved you. Why am I talking this way? The reason that fills me with hope is please know that you don't have to be good enough or pray hard enough or long enough or eloquently enough before God will have an involvement in your world. God is longing to have an involvement in your world. He just wants you to ask him. Like salvation. He's like, I want to save you. And now when it comes to sanctification, he's like, I want to keep saving you. We are being saved in this process. God is eager to help you and you desperately need him. So pray. Pray. Asking God, the glorious Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, just praising about good years to give you spiritual wisdom and insight so that you might grow in your knowledge of God. Amen? I'll finish with this. So we're praying in a way where we're for, for past salvation. Now we're praying with eagerness. Eagerness for current sanctification. The final thing is we are praying for confidence for future glorification. Pray with confidence that God is going to work it all out for good. Pray with that confident hope. What a beautiful thing. I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light. Flooded with light. The eyes of your heart will be enlightened. Flooded with light so that you can understand the confident hope he is given to those who he call. Hear me now. In this season of chaos and borders closing down and division and disagreements about what's going on and, and the right thing to do moving forward, Christians should be known for one thing: confident hope that God is good and He's in control. I say this with love. If right now you are desiring and working towards being known for your opinion about what is right and wrong in the world right now, you're working towards the wrong thing. Our unsafe friends and family, say this with love, don't need another opinion. But they are freaking longing for someone with confident hope that this is all going to work out for good. It's all good. That's That's more enticing to their salvation moment than you having the right answer on the vaccine or the lockdown and what's happening next year. you. should do this because I listened to this Google video and he's, oh my goodness, can I have Jesus too (laughs) then? You just explained that so well. Thank you. I don't think it's going to happen. But when you're sitting there and you're like, but God's so good. He's in control. And man, the peace I experienced right now is so amazing. They want that. People want that. The world needs hope, right? So let's be carriers of hope. Amen? Let's be carriers of hope. That's, I'm so confident that God's got the future in his hand. I almost don't want to finish with this, but I just to touch on it. I've had a few members bring it up with me lately. Someone just now as well. Some people are asking, do you think that what is happening right now is the mark of the beast? Not to go too deep, but just to be absolutely clear for me. Absolutely not no way, shape, or form. You can be here and choose not to take the vaccine. I've said that before. That's your choice. But let's be clear that the stance of our church, the vaccine is not the mark of the beast. Cool? So you can have your right not to take it. I don't care. Go for it. But it's not the mark of the beast. Oh, but it says you won't be allowed to buy or sell without it. Try going to the shops without your card, credit cards. <laughs> plenty of things. Try money. Is money the mark of the beast? Try and buy without that. Okay, so in essence, in essence, I look at the nature of God. That's why I don't think it's a mark of the beast. And what the mark of the beast says is those who choose to worship this beast. In Revelation 13, a second beast rises out of the water that is greater than the beasts of the land. And it does miracles and people choose to worship it and they receive its mark and that is the mark of the beast. And I'm like, man, let's compare that with the rest of the Bible. What do we see in the rest of the Bible? that when we were lost and broken and without hope, Jesus left the throne room to come down to live the life I couldn't live, to die the death I deserved to die just so I could be with Him for eternity. That's how focused He is on you. That's how much He loves you. Now let's take that gospel and put it over this thing in the mark of the beast and say, do you think that He would let somewhere around Four billion, five billion people in the world take this thing, let's estimate somewhere around 1.5 billion Christians have already had it. And be like, well, not coming to heaven now. (laughs) Not coming to heaven, I know I did all that work, I know you did nothing, I know I chased you down, I know I made you mine, I know, I know that you are my holy people, my rich and glorious inheritance, I freaking love you. But you took some medicine that was just not meant to be taken, and now you're going to spend eternity away from me. I don't think it fits the narrative of the Bible. Matthew chapter 24 speaks about end times. What does it say? It says times will get so tough that Christians will reject God. Rejection of God is a sign of the end times. Not God rejecting people. So just hold on to that truth okay? So without getting into there's so many different opinions and doctrines around eschatology and times without getting into it all. He's the big thing. Do I think, I, I, I compare to blaspheme against the Holy Spirit. Jesus said those who blaspheme against the Holy Spirit, there's no repentance for them. So here's my big picture last day. Do I think you could receive the mark of the beast or blaspheme against the Holy Spirit unintentionally without even knowing it? No. I just, I just refuse. to. I'm not a hyper-grace person that says you can just live however you want, antinomianism, go for it, God doesn't care, do whatever you want, you're going to get to heaven anyway. I'm not there, but grace is friggin' big, very powerful, and it is it saved a wretch like me. And my thing, I think you have to be very active in you saying, I want nothing to do with you, God. I want everything to do with this world before it starts feeling more like some kind of life. So, rest in God's goodness, church. Rest in his faithfulness. Rest in his love for you. This is why we preach the gospel week in, week out. He loves you so damn much. He wants you so much. So I'm praying that this week as you read your Bible, you get to know him even more. You fall more in love with him. There's some great statements going around now, but let the gospel, let, let the joy, Not, don't worry about the mark of the beast. Someone said recently, worry about the mark of the bride. Are you his? Yeah. I, I'm chatting to too many people and their eschatology is centered around the Antichrist instead of being centered around Christ. And they I like, what about the Antichrist? Who's the Antichrist? Is that first the first Antichrist? is that the Antichrist? I'm sorry, I'm afraid of the Antichrist. Where's, where's Jesus? What's he doing? Ooh, he's the Alpha and the Omega. He's the one who's turning it all together for good, who wipes away the tear, there's no more pain. Let's look at him. Yeah. And if your eyes are fixed on him and your heart is fixed on him, at home that he's got you. Can we pray for each other is that okay before we stand up we've been doing this the last six weeks and uh, it's been amazing it's awkward at the start but it's a beautiful moment i think for the body of christ and what we're seeing i'm hearing words of prophetic words I'm hearing words of knowledge words of encouragement coming and that excites me I, I just love when the church gets to be the church amen so before we go into time of prayer if you're here and you don't know Jesus, you walked in you're like, hey, I had no idea who Jesus was. And if something happened in your heart while you've been here today, you don't feel forced to it at all. But in the worship, the preaching his word, you're like, I want to live for God. I want Jesus in my life. I want Jesus in my life. I'm not asking you to join an organization. I'm asking you to say yes to Jesus. And if you want to do that, I would love to pray with you, of this. Or maybe you walked in here and you called yourself a Christian, but when it came to it, you had no relationship with Jesus. You had no hope that he's in control. You didn't even know he liked you. If something shifted today, you want to say yes to a relationship with Jesus Christ. After the service, I'm going to wait there. I'd love to pray. I'd love to get to know him.